In this world full of ignorant bliss, our truth often gets dismissed. We all hide behind our screens, pretending to know what life truly means. But if you're here, I sense you're searching for something. Something beneath the surface, something deep within. It's time for your weekly dose of the pill that does the most. All right, so hello everybody. For anybody who's just joined, whichever she's the start of the episode, welcome. <laughs> Good to have you guys back. New faces, old faces. This is the LPO podcast. We will navigate complex topics and make sense of them in a very, very practical framework style manner. Today we're talking about ethics, and this is something that I've been talking about, well, we've been talking about on the podcast in several ways. Um, but of course, also in life conversations, it comes up several times. The word comes up, and most mm. times we use the word deliberately, sometimes just loosely. Uh, but I guess I want to start with maybe why anybody listening should stick around to the end. Because once again, unlike, not unlike, like the previous episode on long distance, this is on that episode of pen and paper. But I'll say maybe a bit softer, right? I will try not to learn mm. from the, from the, uh, from the comment from last time. So we'll try and make this one a bit much more closer to home. Yeah. I was wondering what was going on behind because I was like, is that a new vibe? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's quite distracting. <laughs> so for guys, context, because we always have to provide context now because you can't see exactly what we're seeing. So Wally has his fancy screen behind him that he always used to show a slideshow or whatnot or something, some background theme, whatever. But then he was showing an, like something, something that was like an ad but wasn't an ad for a concert. So I was like, oh, maybe Wally is trying something different today. So Because he was still talking. Yeah, I just picked a video that has... Uh, this time, which, I, which I never do. I just use my fireplace to make it cozy. Yeah. All right. Carry but on. But anyway, sorry for distracting you. I was just about to talk about why everybody should stick around for this episode. So I think mm-hmm. the first thing is, I think we're going to probably learn and understand together, me and you, and hopefully everyone on the call, how we can navigate complex moral dilemmas. We see in the news every day about wars happening, conflict happening. But that's even on the, but that's even on the big scale. But even mm. personal life and basis. Yeah. How do we navigate complex moral dilemmas? I think this would help us do that better. And how does that lead to informed, responsible decisions? I think this is something that was going to help us as well this episode. Mm. Um, I know we also hear about ethics as this abstract concept, but if you stick around, you realize that ethics is not just an abstract concept. It's something that we can use every day, practically, to navigate mm. human interactions, whether it's at work, school, romance, family, or somebody you see at the supermarket. Hmm. And of course, I think for just for personal growth and development, um, self-reflection is going to help you do that, hopefully. Now, I thought I'll frame this episode in a stretch of three parts. We start with a practical scenario, part one. Part two, move into what is the theory abstract basis. And part three, we end the game with a practical scenario. Maybe you can invoke or insert your learnings from YouTube at any point, bro. Yes, bro. Whatever you feel like. So let me start. Let me ask you, as always, you are the voice of the people. You are the voice of the <laughs> nation. You are the voice of many, many lovely faces out there. I humbly you're the, accept you're the that chosen responsibility. Man. I humbly man accept. Chosen I, for the moment. To, to, to lead a generation. Yes, yes, know, yes. Of voices. Yes, yes. And I'm just the, uh, <laughs> the devil on the shoulder. Or the, or the angel on the shoulder. The instigator. Okay. The instigator. The, so maybe yeah. a big question I'm going to ask you is, um, is uh, and this was inspired by a big thing video, which I, I don't know, I, hopefully you haven't seen. I haven't but, seen 
Is no one inherently ethical? The hell? Um, so is nobody so does inherently any, ethical? So I'm going to have to interpret that question in my own way. So are they saying like, um, as you're born, wait, is nobody inherently ethical? So you're saying nobody's born with a sense of right and wrong. Is that what they're... Yep. Well, if you're defending it to your right and wrong, yeah. Yeah, so is... Are we born with a sense of right and wrong? Um, if you're defining ethics as right and wrong. If you're defining ethics as right and wrong. So, uh, I would say I lean towards, there, there's two ways to think about it. Why I'm struggling, for those who are listening, why I'm struggling is because there's like the biblical, spiritual way to think about it. And then there's the, what do you call it? The, I guess, philosophical way to think about it. So my Biblical answer is sort of like everyone is because of events and Guardian of Eden and whatnot, everyone is born with sort of like this born into sin, pretty much. That's that's the phrase. And I guess depending on how you're defining ethics, I would kind of like use that to answer the fact that probably people are inherently born with some sense of deviating towards some sense of deviance. Let's just put deviance as the word in there. But on the philosophical side, I don't. Th- I think everyone is kind of like tabula rasa, born with a blank slate, and then society sort of like imputes a sense of right and wrong into you. Okay. Or environment imputes because technically, without society telling you, I feel like taking a life in that sense is not going to feel. I don't know. Actually, let me just pause there before I jump into feelings or not. But you- now, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let let me make this a bit easier now. So. Let's look at this this scenario. Yeah. Um. So you and a colleague, you or, or listener, Demi, Fatima, James, Tola, whoever is listening. Charlie. Um. Zeus. I don't think we have a listener called Zeus. If I have a listener called Zeus, I probably owe you an Amazon voucher. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Let us know, guys. So, That's your um, So scenario. So you and a colleague are in the same industry. Mm-hmm. And you go to a work lunch. Yeah. Right? Now you spend five minutes talking about work stuff. And you spend one hour talking about personal stuff. Mm. Right? Yeah. Now, obviously, in most companies, you can carry out expenses. <laughs> right? So, again, remember the scenario. You and a colleague in the same industry go to a work lunch. Five minutes talking is about work. One hour is about personal stuff. Yeah. Now, question is, is this a work lunch that you would expense out? Yes. Okay, and why? Are you asking me why? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I wouldn't actually, well, I guess there could be an argument for that, but my classification of eth- ethical sit- situations... Um, no, 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 just don't mention ethics here. Just tell me, like, why would you expense it? Just what, What's your justification? Just like... Base level just because English. because in other in other scenarios in the, if the scenarios scenarios were flipped like we don't go into conversations that are work or personal like in, if you went to a personal conversation or it was a personal thing I ended up talking about work most of the time would you expense that I wouldn't expense that but if I went to a work then I ended up talking about something personal whatever happened happened it was a work thing right and so that's the way I'll define it so for me it's more like in the opposite situation what would I do. And based on what I would do in the opposite situation, in that original situation, I'll just apply that there. Because so if what you do, then... What would the opposite situation be in this case? You go to a family dinner. 
I don't know, you go to a family dinner or whatnot, and then your boss happens to be there, and you end up, you guys step aside and end up like, you know, a family event. Talking not about work. Yeah, yeah, talking about work. And trying to solve a problem for work. Maybe you solve the problem for work and you, you have an eureka moment and then you continue the office the next day. So all the drinks that you guys bought in that day, would you expense it? Okay. So, so, so that's interesting. So <laughs> fine based on the fact that in the opposite scenario, you, you wouldn't carry out the action. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I said, for this particular scenario, I'll look at the opposite and say, the same principles I would apply to that. Like, if I can't, like, reverse it into the situation exactly for this particular situation, yeah, for me, that's how it applied. So for this work situation, yes, it was a work thing. The intention was to go there for work. We ended up talking about something personal. For me, who's to say that the personal situation wouldn't still contribute to work in some kind of way? Like, it's hard to, that's why with this kind of conversation, it's hard to, like, define it. How do I measure what is 5%? It's a feeling. Like, what if the person that was chatting personal things with me for them was a way of building relationship and rapport with me so that next time they'll close the deal with me? you get so for me at the end of the day still a work conversation still a work thing expensive so so for you that's not that's not a, a, an ethical decision nah 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 bro so 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 you only you, you only expense it you're expensing it because you're just in the work environment that's it bruv yeah and the opposites okay yeah so how about you what would you do fanta um <laughs> so it's, it's tricky because some some would say that they will expense it because it's a work um it's a, it's a work lunch as you said it's, it's about networking yeah but one thing that you not mentioned which was interesting was some people would say like they expense it because they, the intention was the intention was was talk about work hmm. I kind of didn't talk about work yeah I mentioned that I was like yeah, we went there for the purpose of work but whatever happened okay happened. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 now for those who would not expense yeah they would say that some probably have said or will say those are few the survey said that because they already knew the person and they were strategic so so that way is definitely personal it's a personal meeting and they were not expensive because the person's already familiar with them hmm. okay now just hold that thought that's yeah. that's one ethical problem that you've that, yeah. that can happen in everyday life that yeah. seems very simple Let's go into probably a much more interesting one. Yeah. So let's say you order your favorite. It's Black today is Black Friday or this week is Black Friday or Black Friday next week. I'm already seeing the ad. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know what day is Black Friday. I just know I'm seeing the ad already. Yeah. It's Black Friday, people, and you ordered your, your handbag, your bag, your pair of shoes, whatever. Black Friday. Mm-hmm. It's arrived. You're buzzing. You opened it, smashing, brand new. You love it. Now the next day arrives. And then that one comes into your doorstep. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you ordered only one. Yeah. Now, what do you do at this point? Do you return it? Yeah. You, or you keep it and that sell it? That was simple. I return it. Why would you return it? Why would I return it? Um, I think in this particular situation, it's like a, a mistake has actually happened. Like an error has happened. And for me, there's like keeping it doesn't really do me any good like the the benefits of keeping it and maybe selling it like from his additional decisions so i keep it i sell it and then use the money for what like it's just giving me additional decisions that i wouldn't have to make if it wasn't in my possession um and i'm assuming in this case i don't need, i don't need the money 
all of those sorts of things. I think there are different scenarios that will make you interpret you receiving that extra thing differently. But as I'm thinking about it now, I would return it. So for you, the the cost involved in keeping it is more. Yeah, than than saying, oh, I've I've got this free thing. So now maybe if the cost of returning it um was more than the benefit of keeping it, ugh, I I don't know what that situation would be. Um because I think in that situation, I'd also like do the same thing I did in the first scenario. If I was a business that mistakenly sends two things to someone, what would I want to happen in return? And for me, I would want one of it to be returned back and whatever happens then happens. So for me, technically, that's how I like to view a lot of things where shoes on the other foot sort of thing. How would you respond and how would you feel about that situation? Um, that's how I'd apply it. So would that change if you thought somebody was aware or not? It wouldn't change. I, I'd even think about this of somebody else being aware, like, because I live my life alone most of the time. So this is what I would do if it happens to me right now. Okay, interesting. So from your first response, right, mm-hmm. in terms of the work um, dilemma, the work dilemma for you is not a dilemma because your intention was to go and talk about work and you, peradventure, that annoying word. <laughs> peradventure. You ended up talking about personal stuff. Do you know something? Pause here. I think the general thing is the expense thing. Like me and expenses, like I've never held a very straight relationship with that thing because I don't get it. Like for me, it's just random. It, it's, it's, he said, she said, I said, you said, everybody kind of like trying to get the best out of a particular experience. Sometimes people use expenses as a way to get back at employers for not giving them what they're supposed to give them. So for me, the expense conversation is already shrouded in so much like weirdness, which I guess shouldn't be an excuse. But for me, I didn't even think about it as I want to get back anybody. It's just the context and the intention, like you were saying. But I wanted to add that piece there that I feel like that expense conversation is another bucket of fish altogether. But carry on. Okay. So we've gone through two, two different scenarios, mm-hmm. right? And from what I've gathered is that when you think of these two moral dilemmas, what drove your decision was more of a, an internal self, um, perhaps what I'll call internal self driver, decision maker. Mm. It was not about something external, but it was about what does Toby feel? What's, what is more costly for Toby or what's Toby's intention? Mm, mm. Right? Yeah. So that's what I'm getting, which is very important. Give me a minute. Let me get rid of this. <laughs> well, his screensaver is showing him that today the YouTube makers will make their money by showing all as possible. Oh, and YouTubers, they've also removed their... Uh, they're like you can't use ad blockers on YouTube anymore. It, it stops you from using the website if you have ad blockers oh. on. Quite sad. I didn't even know you could do that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So so that's that's your current stand. And now let's keep that on a post-it somewhere because that's very important. We'll come back to that now. Mm. So let's quickly go through perhaps all the excuse me, more ethical perspectives out there. Um, there are four main ones which we we'll talk about very briefly. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys have heard them. All too many times. Um, but if we're trying to define ethics very briefly, it's, I think, it's all about talking about how you analyze how people's actions or conduct can cause benefit or harm to other people. Mm. Hence why you said right or wrong. 
Right. Yeah. And for anybody who knows about anything about ethics, you know that it's been studied for many years, at least 2,000 years, right? And all the principles that have emerged as the main ones, they all share this common property, which is that they help people create persuasive, logical, and reasoned arguments to, to their decisions or to their actions, mm-hmm. right? As you kind of did yeah. in your own, in our two scenarios of the handbag and the expense mm. claim. Now, we're going to look at these four perspectives and would reflect on the handbag and, and the expense scenario and look at another difficult um, ethical dilemma that involves mortality of human beings, mm. right? That's where we end. So I think there are four main types um, and some of which on this podcast we've mentioned on this podcast before. So there's Cantonism, as you may have heard. There is um, utilitarianism, Mm -hmm. social construct theory, and virtue ethics. Now, one that gets confusing a lot for me, to be honest, if you want to read about this, is Kantianism. Because Kantianism Kantianism is part of a body of ethics that is called deontology. Mm. Right, and they're closely related. Um, And that's because Kantianism is a form of deontology. So let's just focus on Kantianism just for the, just for the sake of this um, podcast episode. So if you know anything about ethics, you probably heard about Kantianism, which starts from Immanuel Kant, you know, who died in the 17th century, right? Mm. Now, the key premise of Kantianism is that it's concerned not about what we do, right? But about what we ought to do. Mm. Right, so it doesn't care about what we do. So your actions is not—it's not about your actions. It's focused on what you should do, and this implies that it's focused on duty. Duty is the key word, and this duty is based on something that is very important to Kantianism, which is a universal rule. Mm. Right, and this universal rule is what obviously permeates, or not permeates, is what obviously determines what we ought to do. Yeah. Right. And what we ought to do, what we're supposed to do, is what reflects our dutifulness. Mm. Right. And this dutifulness is then what reflects our goodwill, which means you have goodwill if you have desire to do things that are based upon the rules that everyone is supposed to follow. Mm. Right? So yeah. a person who is dutiful is acting in that way because it is a moral rule. So again, the key premise of Kantianism is following things based on a universal law. Rule or law. Yeah. Right. And these rules are quite important because they are either, I mean, if I'm going to a bit of a detail here, which I'll come out of soon, but just let me dive into it and come out of it later. Mm. But what I, what I also found was that they are based on imperatives that are either hypothetical on one hand or in categories. So for example, rules that, rules that are hypothetical in their, in their imperatives are those that con- equate to conditional if-then statements. Mm-hmm. Right. So for example, if this happens, then you must do X, Y, Z. Right. The categories, categor- categorical aspect of Kantianism, these are commands and rules that are unconditional 
and they are unequivocal, which means that, for example, you should only follow some moral rules that you expect everyone else to follow. There is no if-then condition. Mm. It's just universal. Yeah. So you might find these two kinds of if-then slash um, universal rules um, in the idea of Kantianism. But just if, if, the, if the anything you take away from this point is that the first ethical perspective we're talking about, Kantianism, the main thing is rules are important. Yeah. Right. And this means that everybody is held to the same standard. Mm. Right. Mm. Because there's clear guidelines for how you should behave. Right. So again, in Kantianism, we don't really care about the outcome of your behavior. Yeah. So that means your expense thing, we don't care about what you actually did. Rather, it's the rule behind your action that's most important. Yeah. Right? That's now, let me give you, Let me give a real-life example. Right? So, so, so let's say you, Toby, want to borrow $100. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> and then, do you, do you want to pay it back? Right? Yes. If, yeah. if, if, if you don't want to pay it back, then, then, then that's your own Ethically. internal policy. Okay. Right? Because you don't want to pay it back. Right? And then this means that the, uh, the maxim, which is the idea of your own action, is that whenever I want to borrow money, I can borrow it without paying it back. That's me. Right? Mm. Now, what Kant is saying in his own ethical principle is that we have to test whether this kind of rule can be universalized. Yeah, because else can do it. it. Exactly. So in this case, it can't be a rule because if everybody does this, nobody will lend, nobody will borrow, knowing that the borrower can borrow without wanting to pay back. Yeah. And this means that borrowing itself will collapse. Mm-hmm. So that means that following Kantianism here will mean that, okay, we can't make this what? It will universal. because if, if we make it universal, it will collapse. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. And now, um, what you're doing makes sense, but I feel like for some folks that are not, like it makes sense to me, but I, I'm assuming it's because I've been exposed to this kind of language and contents before. And so I'm easily processing and grouping what you're right, saying. Right, okay. okay. Yeah. So, but I, 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 I want to try just yeah, I'll, I'll let you, you get back to it. I'll let you get yeah, back yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, You give the voice, voice, voice of you. <laughs> yeah, no. I love so that. I, I'm just imagining if like people are approaching this for the potential first time, like ethical conversation. Now, if you've watched The Good Place, they touched on the whole premise of the show is around. It's a bit of a like ethical, sociological, philosophical kind of show, but they touch on it in a in an easy manner. But I just wanted to mention that like generally, like there's maybe six. Honestly, you can't really exact the exact number of different kinds of ethics like the different flavors of it but what i want to do now is just mention the seven including the one you just talked about which is kantianism which is under the deontology that you mentioned but guys forget about the fancy words and just think about sort of like what examples they're trying to do and maybe if i run through them quickly and while it continues it might help you just place things in better buckets so first of all you have normative ethics and it's really just concerned about providing guidelines to determine what actions are morally right or, or wrong. So that's normative et- ethics. So think about normal ethics is about determining what actions are right or wrong. Right. 
Now, there are different examples under those. And what you find out is that for each category that you find, all the things that we're talking about, like maybe utilitarianism that Will is going to mention later, the deontology, they are also still grouped under, like there are different versions of this main category of normal ethics. Normal is not the word. I'm just saying normal so people understand. Does that make sense? I'm, really. Now I'm getting a little bit confused. Confused. But, but carry on, maybe, carry on. I'll, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll with, catch with, up. with more examples. So there's meta-ethics. A meta-ethics is, is, it delves into the, into the foundations and origins of ethical principles. So, right, it's concerned with the nature of ethical statements, including questions about the meaning of moral language. Like, what actually do you mean by right or wrong? So where, whereas normative ethics is focused on determining what actions are right or wrong, Metaethics is saying what is actually right and what is actually but, wrong. But these categories go up to seven. Yeah, they go up to seven. Yeah. That's a lot. I know. Because it feels like... So some of them will blend. Isn't, isn't, isn't that a lot more than what one can comprehend if they have not heard ethics before? Well... Okay, because let me sevens feels like do you, yeah. do you get if, if if there were three, yeah, enough. yeah, no, no, no. So, 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 so the problem is, I, I what I'm trying to do here is just to say the different flavors because I feel like we're going to have one flavor of an ethical conversation today and we'll lean in one direction. But I wanted to just talk about. Oh how, no, 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 we won't because we won't do that because what's going to happen shortly is that after we examine all four, which are all different, okay, right. The next exercise would then be to practice the trolley dilemma. And in doing that, we're then going to use all of these four to attempt the trolley dilemma. Okay. And trolley dilemma, just, just as a preview, is the classic, classic dilemma that, that asks what you would do to save a life over another life in a certain scenario. Mm. Mm. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Maybe what I'll do is, as we go through, if I spot anyone that fits into one of the categories in the way you're talking about it, I'll yeah. just, I'll put my hand up and I'll just mention, oh, this falls okay. into, yeah. Okay. Maybe that helps. Okay. I mean, right. I appreciate that this is perhaps one of the most abstract yeah. topics that you hear and you're like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, but I think, first of all, the one thing that's very important in learning anything new, whether it's technology whether it's a new concept. And, and it's, it, is the tech con- it is the idea of self-efficacy. There's a lot of research that has proven, has shown that self-efficacy determines how much you're able to learn and adapt to new things. And what does self-efficacy mean? It means the belief that you can actually learn something mm. makes a difference in how you learn it. Yeah. Which is why you find people like, I won't say boomers, but the older generation are more averse to technology because they just believe they can't learn it. Mm. And that didn't hinder them from learning it. That's a simple example. So I think this, this is also the same thing with investing and money and finance. And, 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 and I'm going left field. But, <laughs> no, no. but before, I go, before I go into all of that, it felt like this is too complex of a world. But, mm. the, but as I'm diving into it more over the last few months, it's looking a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Right, carry on. So back to ethics. I guess the key premise of my first iteration is that Kantianism Think of it as universal rules, simple. Universal rules that we ought to follow. That is Kantianism ethics. Oh, yeah, next one. Right? Yeah. And I'll give an example using the borrowing stuff. Yeah. The next one, and that big word, right? We just think of it as you. So it's done K, this is you. Now, That's you, right. long word of utilitarianism, 
is focusing on the right or wrong that is based on the consequence of an act or rule. Right? So this one, the key difference here, this is looking at the consequence, the aftermath, the outcome of an action or a rule. While Kant is only looking at the rule itself, yeah. this one is looking at the consequence or act of that rule. Yeah. And I noticed that, that I said act or consequence. Because mm. there's two different things. So the act, the act, it, 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 uh, scratch that. The act utilitarian perspective is looking at the utility of how the consequences of your individual moral actions, the things that I do, what are the consequences? While the rule aspect looks at the consequences of moral rules. Right? So, so in short, one belongs to you, one belongs to a rule around that governs people. Mm. Right. Now, this perspective on the you ethics, right? Let's just keep that word, the you for it, 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 whatever. It is um, saying that the right act is one that produces the, the biggest, greatest happiness yeah. for people, society, right? And of course, the wrong act brings that down. Happiness of people is, is, is decreased. Similarly, the right moral rule of conduct is the one where if it's adopted, it will lead to the greatest net increase in happiness for all involved. Right, so again, the key word here for our you ethics is consequence. Consequence, consequence. Which is why in the um, this ethical perspective of utilitarianism, it's about how does one calculate what action or rule will give us the best results. And now this means that naturally, like you have to then weigh the good and the bad elements of how some things would, would affect. Um, good and bad of how an action or a rule affects um, people. Yeah. Right. So Kantianism is focusing on the what motivates an action, the rule that does that. While our U-ethics, utilitarianism, is, con- is concerned on the outcome of that. Yeah. So going back to our borrowing example, is that if I borrow hundred dollars and I say I'm not paying back the consequence of that is that the person that has borrowed money it can go into debt can lose money I mean can lose their properties whatever whatever happens but it is in it's a net negative all right so in this case we can see that the rule the rule to make people return their money is good from a Cantonism aspect because the rule universally allows people to make a universal rule that, that everybody that works for everybody. Right? Let me say that again. So in this example of borrowing hundred dollars, from a Cantonism perspective, it works because when that rules apply universally, borrowing can continue. Yeah. Right. And it's also good from a U ethics perspective. Utilitarianism, because the consequence of me borrowing money and giving you that money back means that you don't go bankrupt, you don't lose property, etc. Yeah. Right. So I guess our U ethics makes sense. Yeah. Let's move on. Running through it, almost done. Third one, which is quite simple, social contract. Very very simple. 
is about thinking about how my moral or my moral or political obligation is dependent on the contract or agreements that I've made society to live in. So me as a resident of, of the UK, I've said that I will abide to XYZ laws so that I can live in this state. So this is the ethics of the state. That's what they call it. Right? So pretty much things that we've agreed on to be able to live in peace. Right? Yeah. Which is why when you cross, when you cross the red light, this is what we're talking about. Because you're also violating a social contract. Mm. Right? But this theory, has to, this theory works when people are rational. Because if we're not rational, we can't maintain a society that is following a social contract. Yeah. We have, we have to cooperate. We have to agree to guidelines to get the benefits of living together. Right. Which is why some states fail. Some states succeed when they abide by social contracts. All right. Next one. And that means that in this one, we have to choose rationality over our natural instincts and submit to our government and to our laws. Yeah. Next one. And perhaps the most ancient one, virtue ethics. This looks at simply at ethics that emphasizes around virtues and moral character as opposed to duties, rule, and action consequences. And this is going back to our brothers, brothers in, in Greece, the Plato's, mm. Aristotle's, who talk about how virtue as a character is uh, well entrenched in the person that has it. Mm. And that makes them good. And their own idea is that you get good by being good, right? So whether it's intellectual virtue, whether it's moral virtue, you realize happiness by consistently acting out these virtues. Yeah. So, so those are our four main ethical perspectives. Yeah. Everywhere in the world that you go, that's what, those four will cover almost everything. Yeah. Right. Now, if you've seen, if you've seen Batman, The Dark Knight, just, 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 end, just end on an example here. So you've seen, but I think that was the one with the Joker. Yeah. Um, that was part two, right? Yeah, that was part two. You know, when, I can't remember who it was, but when Batman could have killed the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. There was some way he could have killed him and dropped him. I can't remember whether it was up on this guy. I can't remember. But there's a point where he could have killed him. Now, if you are a utility, utility, utility oh my God. If you are a utilitarian, yeah. Right. You would say that Joker should be killed. Yeah. Why? Because if you kill the Joker, you save many lives. Because mm. that, that guy is not a good guy, is he? Mm. Right. However, if you're a Kant person, what, what would you say? What would you say? If you're a Kant person. Well, you say like if everybody went ahead killing people that... um. I guess they thought were bad, then can society so survive that way. But for me, that then raises another flawed approach because if everyone left <clears throat> criminals to or be killing everybody, does that benefit? Well, it's not about benefits, but if everybody did that, would there be society? So Kant honestly fails in that aspect with the way I think about it, but carry on. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so what I feel to succeed is, is probably the next point. But we're just looking at, if you're a Kant person, how would you see that scenario? You probably say, as you said, don't kill Joker because it's wrong to kill. It's not, it's the rule is, as you said, if everybody's kill everybody, then this, this rule cannot work. Yeah. So don't kill Joker. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you are a virtue ethicist, 
you wouldn't say don't kill Joker. You wouldn't say kill him because if you kill him, you save others. What you might say is, hmm, 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 hmm. With the person that will kill Joker, what kind of character do they want? No, sorry. What kind of character would you have if you kill Joker? Hmm. Do you want to be the kind of person who takes the enemy's lives? So like virtual ethics is very, very soft, right? It's like, who do you, who do you really want to, who do you, who, who do you think you would be virtual? Wait, virtual ethics is Superman because he doesn't like to kill people. So let's carry yeah, on. Yeah, es- es- essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's about character, virtues, the boring people, right? <laughs> he said the but, boring people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are essential, of course, but I'm just saying like in the context yeah. of which we find them, yeah. Captain America, etc. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cap. They don't be those they don't be seen as those kind of people because for them it's the internal character. Yeah. Which kind of leads a little bit into your own answers from the start. Mm. A little bit. A little bit. So we've gone through these four. Yeah. Right. Any comments before we play our game? Um, not really. Just to um I guess mentioned that like i think the point about ethics and conversations like this just to happen what wally has said it's not so much about knowing that one is utilitarian and one is can't and one is whatever i feel like that sometimes defeats the entire purpose of the whole thing but it's honestly to almost like give you the tools of how to think about things so that when you see certain things play out you know it's not about saying oh this is right this is wrong you actually understand the nuances and everything behind it and even as a person of faith and all of those sorts of things it can help you start to see or what direction does the bible maybe lean into with certain kinds of laws that it passes and what it asks for in those situations right what what kind of ethics does religious law you know lean towards and that leads to it helps you have different kinds of conversations like it helps me have different kinds of conversations because my first um encounter with ethics was under like doing philosophy um and it kind of like raised interesting questions it just helps you see certain things and i think it just made me pause a lot more when <laughs> trying to respond to anything that has to do with yes or no or yeah. right or wrong yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and I, i'm glad you said that in there i'm glad you said that at that time because maybe maybe i almost forgot to mention that this is not just a way to just this is this is it's not just a way to just talk about ethics and talk about it but is to give you frameworks, give us frameworks anyway, because for us talking about these things, it sticks to our heads. Yeah. You know, we can talk about it and just go home and we've, and we've learned the lesson, but it is to give everyone frameworks to manage daily lives because just living on the internet alone <laughs> can be quite dilemma. disorienting. Yeah. Right? But sometimes when you have these tools in your, in your arcade, and I'm not saying like, like, like you see a post <laughs> and then go and look at <laughs> Cantonism, no, not really. Mm. But just the awareness of the fact that people can make claims, propositions, ideas with different ethical perspectives that mm. are not aligned mm. or, already makes you feel that, okay, this, this is already coming off from a wrong angle entirely. So there's no point even, mm. you know, engaging in that in kind this, of way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's just tools and frameworks that can help you navigate a digital, healthy life. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna play this play this impossible game. Um, I've heard of it before, by the way, the trolley dilemma. Yeah, yeah, it's quite popular. 
I think. Well, okay. Again, have, you, have you done it before? I've done it before. I don't think I've played like an actual game of it, but I mean, not an actual game. But have you tried to answer the questions before? Yeah. Well, the, obviously, there are different iterations of it, and honestly, I never go past the the first one. But there are also different versions where, like, it's not just it's not for just five people on a track or one person. They they're different combinations. I've seen a few. But I've not necessarily sat down to decide which one because at the end of the day, like my reaction to it a lot of times is always that I feel like I always tend towards the utilitarian, whatever. Like if you can save many people as opposed to least people, then do that. But then people start to add variations to it. Where what if all those five people were like, um, um, <laughs> like yeah, more okay, okay. yeah. Let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Go so on. for anybody who doesn't know, I'll give you a brief. Um, description about this this dilemma. It's a very popular ethical um, think, ethical think. kind of question. So, which is why I chose it because I want something that's common that you might, you might already know already. Or if if you're new to it, you can easily look it up and find similar okay. iterations. Yeah. So the so the trolley dilemma is a classic experiment that was developed by Philippa Foots, and that this was 1967, right? And the idea is to allow you to think through action consequences and kind of evaluates the moral value, mm-hmm. right? And I think why the tool is popular is that it has, it has been quite um, flexible. Yeah. For probing how we think about our moral intuitions, yeah. right? And as you said, we've seen it adapted to so many um, scenarios. Yeah. You know, war, abortion. Abortion is actually a very big... Abortion is a, is a fantastic ethical... Yeah. Ethical evaluation... Um, discussion, fantastic one. But obviously, mm-hmm. know what I'm doing today. Um, torture, drones, so many things, right? Yeah. So I think let me just say it out. Um, say say the dilemma, and then we can go into it straight away. Yeah. How are we doing for time? Let me see, because I want this to be quiet, bro. Okay, nice for the three, perfect. So imagine you're standing beside some tram tracks, right? Now, in a distance, you spot a runaway trolley. That's going down the tracks towards mm. five workers. Yeah. Now these five workers cannot move out because they cannot hear it. And even if they even if they see it, they can't move out in time. Yeah. Right. Now, as this as this is approaching, you see a lever that is linked to the tracks. You realize that if you pull up the lever, the tram, the tram would, would divert mm. to a second set of tracks from the five workers. Yeah. However, where the tram will divert to, if you pull this lever, is one lone worker. Yeah. That is just as oblivious as his colleagues. Mm. So it, this leaves you in a position whereby you can save one life or five lives. Yeah. Now, would you pull the lever leading to the death of one but saving five? That is the question. That yeah. is the first main question. Yeah. Are you asking him to answer? Yep, go on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, by default, I would pull, I'll pull the lever to save the five um, versus the one. Okay. In this scenario. By default, what is it by default? Why? Why? It's a if we're going to use the big fancy words we've, we've thought about, right? It's, Okay. Five people versus one person. So. Okay. So, so in this case, so you apply the utilitarianism rule where you're looking at the consequence. 
of your action. Yeah. Action. Yeah, so the net, the net positive, essentially. But to be fair, even if you don't take an action, the inaction, there's also a consequence there is what, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So your inaction is also it's an also action, which an is action. a point I was hoping you pick up on because that's something that in everyday life, yeah. you often think that when, that when we don't act on certain things, we are free. Yeah. Right. But inactions are also actions. Same yeah. way with indecision is also a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The only thing there, which it goes a bit more complex, is that someone can say that if I don't act and, it was going the, to and happen. five guys die, it was going to happen anyway. Right? At least I know that I my hand didn't touch <laughs> that lever. Yeah. Good luck with your. But then, yeah, yeah. That that doesn't link on and that one that argument doesn't fall on any ethical principle at all because your awareness. Yeah. Exactly. Already puts you in that spot. What I would say here is that, because what I was going to say is that, you know, you think that not pulling the lever would absolve you of all responsibility, but jokes on you or jokes could be on you in that you actually carry, um, you carry PTSD away from that, knowing that <laughs> you could have potentially yeah. saved um, but but actually, there are human beings that are able to dissociate themselves and be like, you know what? It's like, it it was already going to mm. happen. So again, it also comes down to the individual and how you see yourself and how much of responsibility you put on yourself in certain situations. And I'll talk about something at some point. Someone's going to go through a few examples of an actual real life situation um, of this, and I'll explain what I mean by that. But yeah, what would you do? Because so I mean. I would definitely not pull the lever. You would not pull the lever, so you let it go to the five people. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you meant to say you definitely not not pull the lever. So oh, wait, 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 let's wait, forget wait, about wait, levers. Wait, wait. Who would you who would you save one or would you save five? Forget about the levers. This levers is just practicalities here. Would you save one or would you save five? Five is already what's going to die. But then you can change it to save just one. Would you say five? What's weird is that even though I even though I planned this episode, yeah. I'm still in debates. Of course, <laughs> of course. When, when you asked me as well, I was like, yeah, but I already know what direction I'm leaning towards. But yeah, because you, you have if buts and maybe's and potential situations. Yeah. But and and that's so I'll pause here. And that's the challenge with what a lot of people don't like about ethical dilemmas because they make you make certain assumptions that are just not the case or you just don't know. So it's hard for you. Like people argue that ethical uh, dilemmas have no use in real world scenarios. Now there's other conversations. Oh, absolutely wrong. Yeah. But there's other conversations that now mentioned that with AI and self-autonomy and all these things that we're having to train yeah. to make decisions now, that ethical conversations are much more important because if we think about the, the trolley problem, imagine it's a self-driving car, right? What a, And self-driving cars are programmed to make decisions based on what we've supplied them as, what is ethically right to do. But if we don't agree on what that ethically right decision is, nobody's going to agree that Or when a car is going for just one person, if he can swerve and hits five people, well, should he swerve to save the one person because it was already on that track or should he stay and hit that one person because there's five people more on the other side, which is a kind of scenario of if a car is going to hit like a, a person in front, should it swerve right to hit the other car on the road yeah. or yeah. should it go on into that straight path. Now, trolley problem in real life. <laughs> what do you yeah, do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
you can even find that in like big data in terms of um, just ordinary technology executives trying to deal with how to collect data from from their customers. Yeah. You know, they face ethical dilemmas like that that may not be yeah. highly mentioned. Your even your your boss. The thing yeah. is, yeah. there's so many ethical dilemmas that we face. Some just be just shielded of so it. Yeah, yeah, shielded from shielded, it. Shielded, but yeah. reg- some are so maybe regular that maybe you don't see them as dilemmas anymore. Mm. Um, some 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 are making choices that we're, that we're very comfortable with because yeah. we're just used to doing it. Yeah. But back to the third dilemma, I would definitely probably follow your answer. Mm. Um, because I was going to first of all say that I won't do anything. Because that will absolve me from any action. But we've already given you how. But we've that... already established that, <laughs> given the um, description of the scenario, my inaction means I've already done the action. Yeah. Right. Um. But I guess one could also argue, which is no, I'm arguing anyway. But yeah. anyway, so we, we've both gone for the utilitarian perspective. Yeah. To answer this question. Mm. Interestingly, I'm wondering what I mean. Obviously, here this doesn't apply here. Um, SCT doesn't apply here. Social contract doesn't apply here. Yeah. And but I'm curious about what virtual ethics might say here for someone in this position, because virtual ethics talks about how we focus, we should focus. Yeah. On what it means to be a virtuous human being. Yeah. Right. What what it means to be a good person who has deep seated habits of virtue. Um, what would a virtuous person do rather than consequences or is a virtuous person in this case do you have to think about consequences too? Yeah, because I, I like to think about um, like a, a virtuous person is probably going to lean towards like sacrifice because sacrifice is a good virtue, right? Sacrifice the one for the many. So I would almost think that that's why I said a lot of these things are blended because at the end of the day, the virtuous person is doing the moral, the sacrificial thing of sacrifice one for the greater good. But at the end of the day, you're already leaning towards utilitarianism in that sort of way, if you think about it in that concept. But yeah. Okay, let's move forward to the next scenario. Yeah. Right. So we're still in this dark pit of hell of scenarios, right? And if you're listening, try and think along with us what you would do. This is now the fat man scenario. <laughs> I like this one. Now, now <laughs> similar to the original scenario. Yeah. Right? Yeah, same scenario. But instead of a lever, right, there's a large, heavy man standing next to you. Mm. Now, if you push this man on the track, you will stop the trolley and save the five, five people. people. Yeah. Right? Mm. Now, again, this man is not a one-man worker. He's just standing next to you. Yeah. So you have the five people. Yeah. On the track only that are going to die. If you push the fat man on the track, he will stop the trolley and your five are saved. Do you push the fat man to save the others? What do you do? <laughs> so th- I saw this one today for, for the first time in a sort of way. And I was like, huh. Obviously, pulling a lever dissociates you from the final action. So it's like, okay, yeah. I, can, I can pull the lever. But pushing someone it's like so me I was thinking like it then made me think about one that we'll probably talk about or we'll talk about the variation of it which is like if you had to be that one person to save the five would that change your decision of one for many right how much value do you place on your own life as the person which is kind of like similar let's Let's put that for 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 next one okay when I put scenario what do you do 
it's so, it's so annoying they, that they, 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 they shoved said, the fat man. You know, so it's so annoying that they said fat man because the person doesn't have to be like the fat thing is. I feel like it's pushing people to think that oh, because the person is fat, then the person doesn't have a right. So you get so for oh, me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, that's what you mean. Uh-huh. The, the fat adjective can make you. Yeah, it's like it's more, it's more, it's, it's, it's more sacrificable. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a very weird thing. So for me, regardless of if the person is fat, a thing. Um, I almost want to like. I guess I want to say it depends, right? Like it depends on how much, which is why the ethical conversation is whatever. It depends on how much context. Like if it's like strangers, I don't know the person. Like why is it, why is the guy not yeah, pushing me? you definitely me? don't know the person. Yeah. So why is the person not pushing me? Why is it? Because the guy hasn't seen it. You're the only one who has seen this. And how do I know that? Well, I guess we're assuming that I know that if I push the person to save. That's, that, that's, why, it's diff- that's why this second one is a lot more freaky because it involves too many other assumptions. Because for me, if I was in that real situation, I wouldn't do it because I wouldn't have Except they are saying I have all this exact knowledge and I've seen into the future that... So actually, let me pause. The only reason I would do it is if I've seen into the future and I know that for sure if I push this guy... No, no, I, no. We're, we're assuming that it's evident that if you push this guy, you would definitely save the five lives. If it's that. There's no... If it's that. Yeah. If it's that, if I push this guy, I'll definitely save the five lives. Yeah. The same, the same activity, the same answer applies. <laughs> you, 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 no, no. <laughs> I'll push it. You know, let me, guys, guys, okay. J- just so I don't do it. <laughs> why <are> you, <laughs> what's funny? Why, why are you laughing? So, do you know what I, <laughs> look at the struggle, man. Like, like, for, like it's not like a position that is, that is struggling at the debate. No, no. So to be fair, I'll push the guy. And I, do you know what I'll push the guy? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking like I'm not going to have to answer? Um, so I don't have my answer already. <laughs> yeah, I'll push the guy, and the reason I'll push the guy is because of what we said earlier on that inaction is also going to like if you if you like if if you don't push the guy in that sense, and you know again we've said that you know that pushing the guy will save those five people. So if you don't push the guy, it means that you decided that his life was worth more than the five people that were on track. Right. And then you decided not to do that. Right. And that your decision will still stay with you as if you were on that track or the pulling version we had earlier on. And you decided to let the train just continue to go to those five people. So again, clarifying that it's not because of him being fat. It's not because of anything else, but because of we're saying in this scenario that I have the full knowledge that pushing him is going to save those lives. Where this will not apply in a real scenario is because if that was actually in real life, you wouldn't really know what would happen if you push that guy. And so mm. that 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 lack of information, information asymmetry in that case, would not justify you being like pushing that guy because what if that doesn't change anything and you've killed six mm. people? Mm. So that's that's mm. how that's why I, that's why I answer that way. But what's your answer? Okay, so my answer is I won't push the guy. So this one I'll I'll go with the Cantonism and social contract. Yeah, and I won't push this guy. I'll let the five people die, um, just because for me in this scenario. Pushing somebody means that I'm now creating, I'm putting the person into the equation. And whereas the other five, even though keeping them alive is, is a net positive because they all have five families. I feel like they were, they, because they're already in the natural course of danger, I, I don't need to mess with it. If messing with it involves pushing somebody who is not already in that danger spot. So this is where this model breaks down because he, 
you guys are already in danger. All of you are in danger because you're in that scenario, right? And we are saying that pushing this guy is going to, for sure, we know, is going to save everyone. No, so, but the guy's not in danger at all because he's is just it, standing by. He's, he's, already, he's not in danger at all. Do you know why he's in danger? He's in danger because you're there and you have the power and you know that he's going to save everyone by pushing. That's why no, I said... But, but it's not... The, so if, if we make it black and white, obviously everybody's not going to want to push a guy down to save everyone in a kind of way. Like, But actually, I can't even say that. But what I'm just like, for me, the point is, this is where I feel like the can't thing feels because if if we then follow the, that, mm. that 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 thought, are you now saying that? So in every situation where you find yourself where there's five people and one person, the universal law is that as long as the person is not involved in the situation, they should not be there. Now I guess Kant doesn't care about consequence; he cares about. But technically, it still speaks about consequence because you're still saying if everybody followed that same rule, what is the effect? Right? Get correct no, me if I'm saying wrong. What we ought to do. So no, it's not about what we do, but what we ought to do, what we should do. So who is determining what we should do in this case? Because technically, if what, we are... What we should do is a universal rule that will stand true across everybody. So that's what I'm now saying. If the universal rule is that let more people always die in self-sacrificing one. So you're saying we're not living in a sacrificial society where one can serve the needs of many or one can sacrifice himself for many. If that's the society, then I don't think that society is going to lead to anything successful because nobody's going to sacrifice anything. Right. So that's why I said for me in that situation, Kant sort of like fails because you on one no, end No, but no, but Kant doesn't fail here because the the trolley coming for people anyway. We don't say it's a unique situation. No. No, 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 not that. Okay. This, that's that scenario is already happening. And and you have the power to change it. That, for, for me, that's the difference. So let's let's apply that to every situation. So if something is already happening, but it's already happening, is going to lead to the death of many. But you have the power to stop it, even if it means deliberately putting one person in danger. Kant is saying that the universal law is that always don't put somebody in danger. But then the other universal law he's saying is always sacrifice the many if it means putting somebody in danger. Do you get what I mean? No, 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 no. He's not saying sacrifice the many. He's not, he's not saying that because sacrifice the many is a consequence ethical perspective. But you which cannot, is, you cannot absolve. But you can. That's what I'm, that's what, that's that's what I'm arguing here. That you cannot absolve consequence from decision by just saying like, what is what is what is the universal law? What makes the universal law the universal law? Is it because do you get what universal I'm saying? Law, Okay, let's try and break that down. Yeah. So in this universal law, okay, if you go a bit back to our our hundred um dollar yeah example, right? So how do you know if a law is universal? It can be universalized. Mm. So you can be said that if I borrow hundred dollars, yeah, and then my maximum is that I'm not going to pay it back. That's yeah. my policy. Uh huh. Right. I can borrow whenever I want. Yes. Right. Kant is saying that to test whether the policy will be universalized mm-hmm. is. If it becomes a policy on which everybody could act, yes, can it be universal law? Yes, and we can we can say that that's my my own policy of not borrowing, not giving my money back, not giving money back that I borrow mm-hmm. can be a law because if everybody did that, nobody would or could lend because because we know that the borrower had no had no desire to pay back. Isn't that a consequence? Like, do you get what I'm saying? I'm saying like in. in- in Kant's trying to prove that point, we're already introducing consequence. Because the consequence of if everybody, if we applied law universally, is that the concept itself would break down. Do you get what I'm saying? That, yeah, so, so... Isn't that a consequence? It, okay. 
again, um, maybe this is someone somebody who did this for a PhD would probably explain better. Somebody who's read more. No, um, no, no. You might be right. No, no. So no. The, yeah, Juno, Juno, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah, I'm just saying because this is actually, I think I've seen this somewhere where people were arguing against this fact that like, like can't it absolves you of a responsibility that is just placed somewhere else, right? In the sense yeah. that yeah, you get. And that's what I'm saying that if we think about this universal law concept, let's apply it to this scenario. If $100, we're born $100 means killing five people. Or no, like it means killing one person to save five. So if everybody decided that... No, 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 no I'm not... I'm not <laughs> you don't want to do because, that. Because, because I haven't thought deep, deeply enough to see whether that analogy works. Okay. All I'm just saying... Okay, we'll move on because there's no right or wrong yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I mean... Yeah. I, I, the, Going with the game, we've chosen our perspectives. Yeah. Um, I and I can see why mine is a bit flawed and mine mine has a bit of comma. Yeah. Um, but let's just move on to, to another scenario. Yeah, ju- ju- just just final point. Okay, what I'm just on. trying to say is that like if you if you multiply just the same thing that you do with Khan about applying universal law, if you multiply our scenario or my choice or this 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 thing that we've said, if you multiply both our choices to the infinity, right, what what is the result? Right. That's why that's that's just the thought I want to leave everybody with or leave you with. The infinity. What does that mean? So if in every situation that everybody finds themselves where they have the power to change something, and the power to change something means to push someone, right? To save the many. But by following the counts, whatever you choose that, because I can't just go around pushing people, then I'm always not going to push everybody. If we multiply that scenario over and over and over and over again, what are we left with? Are we left with the society that is better off or not? I know this is not what Kant talks about, but I'm just replanting that thought. Like if we plant, for me, that's planting a situation where sacrifice is not a thing that we do here. If anything's going to happen to you, it should happen to you. Nobody cares what anybody else can do to change it. Is what... Yeah, so I guess multiplying this by, by infinity is actually trying to test whether this can... Test, the, t- test whether it can be universalized. Yeah, and for me it fails. So I guess... For me it fails. That's what I'm saying, it fails. Because... If you universalize that, it means you're saying sacrifice is not a thing that we do, which for me, no. So the reason why I don't, I don't, I don't know why it fails is because when when you're the, the the example of borrowing money, you're taking somebody's property. You're taking right. five people's lives. <laughs> so no, no, but you, no, ask them. But you're not taking five people's lives. But you know that if you don't do something, they taking will die. is not the same thing as saving. That's different here for me. Because if I don't take action, you've killed I'm not them. taking your life. No, 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 no. Do you know why? No, do you know why? Do you know why I'm saying you've killed them? Because we're you saying... Have, you haven't killed no, them. No, do you know what? Because, because, because if you've seen you've killed them, then that means that the, the origin accident of the troll in this case is absolved. I think that's just a way of rationalizing it. Because we're saying that... Because this only applies because we know for sure that pushing one guy is going to save the five. If it was that, it was hypothetical. Then sure, don't, why would you push someone based on an hypothetical? But if you're 100% sure, and you know that you're 100% sure if you do this, those five people will be saved. And then you choose not to do it. You're kind of responsible for their deaths, right? Which is what the trolley problem talks about. If you leave it to just hit the five people. So why, why is this different for you, right? In terms of why, why would you, in your first answer, switch it point the second answer which honestly doesn't really change that much just that you're now pushing the person why did the answer then change do you get but let's move on let's move let's on, move to, on. Yeah. let's move on yeah so this is quite similar actually so you're a doctor with five patients mm-hmm. in critical condition 
um, who each need an organ transplant to survive. Right. Now, one healthy patient walks into your office for a routine checkup. <laughs> Would it be acceptable to kill the healthy patient and use their organs to save the other five if you, if you can? Unless they agree. Unless the patient agrees. No, yeah. obviously the patient is not agreeing because they're going to kill them. So right. this, so, yeah. so the five need each, an organ each and somebody walks into your office and the person has the organs for all the five. So would you kill, is it, is it okay to kill the person, the healthy patient, and use the organs to save the other five? So this actually now turns my answer, shows the flaw in my first, my previous answer, which is why I think the ethical conversation might feel because context has switched here. It has in switched. It, yeah, it has switched here. Because in, in, like, in this scenario, I don't know what it is, but it's like, you can't do that. Like, you can't take someone who's perfectly, like... But for me, for me, it hasn't switched that much, but carry on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, in a way, it hasn't switched that much, right? Because you're saying, you know, for, but again, it has switched because again, that, this is, that's why I said that particular one, it's like, okay, maybe it hasn't switched. This is the problem with this conversation. But for me, I wouldn't do it. And we can talk about why, but I wouldn't Yeah, do no, it. for me as well, I wouldn't do it because for me, I, I will bank on the, this for me will be on the, on the virtue and utilitarian perspective where if I kill this person, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my code of ethics as a doctor. Yeah. So, so that's already a problem with my social contract um, theory. Um, the consequences could be, I mean, even though I save five lives, I'm killing one person. So, and this one, I'm deliberately killing them without their consent. So, who says who says that's a net positive? Yeah. So, do you know, should I kind of like explain? Because I'm thinking about my answer as well. And for me, why the, the thing I feel like is changing scenario here is that situation one or the scenario that we just described before, for all intents and purposes, looks like an accident is about to happen. In situation two. Yes. In situation two, it's like, everybody is on their own pathway already. But then you can then argue that situation one is everybody's on their own pathway. But for me, I'll still argue that situation one is an accident waiting to happen. Situation two is just a natural progression of things. And so for me, you actually killing one person to save those five is changing the order of things is how I've rationalized it in my head. Whereas in the first situation, it's an accident waiting to happen is what I would say. Do you get that? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I mean, I would definitely, yeah, same, same example. Yeah. I definitely would not kill the patient. So wait, you're saying in the first one, you're still maintaining your answer. In the lever. In the lever. No, wait, wait. In the lever, you'll pull. In the fat man, you wouldn't push. And in the patient, you wouldn't kill. That's what you said. Yes. So, okay. Yes. And because me, I've said. Agency, because not only agency, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking a life. Which is inconsistent be, with number be, one. Be, because, no, because I, I, I don't see saving and taking as the same thing. Okay, that's so that's, 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 that's what different. Okay, okay, okay. Saving and taking. You don't... Uh-uh. But then, in number one, you're saving in five. Number one. You're, you're saving yeah, five but, and taking but, one. But, no, no, no. But in number, I'm not taking any. Uh, why are you not taking any? You just... You... No, 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 sorry. In number one... You're taking one. Both... Are, both both, both groups, one, one, one group is going to die because they're both already on the track. Five and one, peop- and one person on the track on both yeah. sides. But one was not so, on the track. So, so, it, so a, death is const- a death is 
Yes. A, a, a path. Would lead to either yeah. choice. There's a, there's a death. Yeah. So that one, I'm I'm just doing <laughs> the less, perhaps the lesser devil kind of perspective, which is why I went with the consequences approach. Yeah. Okay. Right. In scenario two. Scenario two and three. The actions then switch to me being part a good. In scenario, in good, good, good. In scenario two and three, it's like I'm the one that's now pushing the trolley in scenario one to these guys. Interesting, interesting way to frame it. Because for me, I don't see, I don't see the, I don't really see the, no, I don't see the difference, but I can take away, no, I can take away the difference. But for me, the saving and taking thing doesn't hold, it doesn't hold steady through all three scenarios because at the end of the day, you're still taking. Well, in scenario two, you choose not to do anything. You're not, you're not taking any lives or, but I'm arguing that in a sort of way, based on the bounds of that experiment of you having knowledge that if you're going to push someone, you would save. And if you don't push, you're saving for me. I'm arguing that you're technically taken in the cut of way. Okay, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm employing some kind of virtue ethics here. A little bit. I don't want... In terms of... Why is it not applied mo- in... Ver- why is it not, do you know, well, now let's finish, but why is it not applying in, in scenario one? So it seems like we're doing, we're doing the same thing, but we're applying it to different, into different cases and we're employing different ethics or whatever for each situation. Whereas in, in situation one, you know, your, the way you viewed it obviously is, well, you explain it, but I just, the way it's coming through in my head is that in, you're choosing to switch the context to suit a particular frame of reference or mind of your ethical position that you would take. And then you're framing each situation so that your answer is consistent in those scenarios. Do you get what I mean? It's like... I think so. Yeah. But let, let, me, let, you, let me let you finish. Sorry, I've, I've just been jumping in so much. No, 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 no. I think so. Okay, so... Because it's what I'm doing as well. I'm changing the frame of each situation to allow my utilitarianism answer almost like fit in each one, or I'm moving my answer in each one to suit what I feel is the overall moral good considering the situation itself. But the experiment is kind of like arguing is that it's kind of like the same problem. So why are you not choosing the same answer all the time? But we're rationalizing That's it. the thing. Yeah. That's the good point. I don't yeah. see them as the same problem. Yeah. And That's the big difference. I, and I don't as well. I don't, which is why for the doctor one, I would not kill the person to save the five but then in scenario one i will pull the lever and in scenario two based on the factors that we mentioned i will push the guy so you see scenario one and two as the same yeah and and i see scenario so you see one and two the same and three as different yeah you i see, see scenario two. two and three as the same and one and as different. one different from different yeah. from two and three yeah yeah okay scenario four final one yeah Final one. No, I can get it up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Child scenario. Now, instead of five adults, there's a group of five children on the track. Yeah. And diverting the track, the trolley would result in the death of one child. One second. Let me think of this probably. Yeah. I feel like they want to... I feel like I know what they want to play on, but you might have to set it up the right way. If not, it would fail. So is it five children and one adult? Ah, yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So instead of five kids, there's a group of five children. Instead of five adults, there's a group of five children on the track. Yeah. And diverting the trolley would result in the death of one child. Oh, so no longer the, adults. We're talking about no longer adults. Ah, uh, children. Yeah. <laughs> so now, does the children being involved make a difference in your decision? No, it doesn't. Because in action, if I don't pull the lever at all, in action still leads to what I'm trying to avoid: a child dying. But then five children are dying. And then if I take an action, it leads to a very sad situation of one child dying. But again, it's literalizing him there. So for me, it doesn't change. It doesn't change the situation. Okay, let's wrap it up here. Um, we are going you? to look at... Ah, Kilode. Oh, me? Ah. <laughs> which, which one will you do? Yeah. Oh, I, I think this is the same as scenario one for me. Um, bringing children into the mix doesn't change my decision. It changes my decision if you bring children into one of the scenarios. So let's say you have like a child on the right side and and for, for adults. Yeah, which one? What would you, you do have, there? What would you, you do? Or you have like... What would you do there? If I have five adults and one child, would I push the child, for example? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just let us pause here. Like, obviously, like, the example, I'm going to say something to end the episode, which is one of the YouTube videos I watched. And it will kind of like clarify what might actually happen in real life with these things, which is a lot of times. You Maybe might... just say it now. Let's, okay. Let's hear it. All right. So, um, there were, this trolley experiment, they wanted to find out because what you take on a paper that you would do and what you would say in a theoretical situation might be very different from what happens in reality. Of course. Exactly. Definitely. So what this experiment tried to do was to try and get as close as possible to reality and make people think they're actually in that situation and see what they would do. But because, again, putting someone in that kind of situation can cause a lot of traumatic challenges, they had to actually be sure that it was actually an ethical research to be trying to, to run done, yeah, in the yeah, first place. Yeah. And a lot of times when they presented it to an ethical board and to psychologists and whatnot, it was almost a, okay, how can we make sure that the benefits we're trying to get from this research far outweighs the potential of people actually being, yeah. and you know, they found out that and they said, okay, fine. The, the cautions and training wheels would add is that, you know, psychologists on site, um, they would only pick people that weren't predisposed to post-traumatic stress situations. And the way they immediately, they wouldn't show, that there won't be a visual of death actually happening. And immediately, the, the person makes a decision. They end the experiment and let the person know immediately that it's an experiment. But also, right. they allow the person be together with everybody else who was in that experiment. So this is the kind, I'm just setting you, giving you the setup for it. So anyways, they did about six people. So essentially, uh, I won't talk about the setup, but let's just know that everyone found us in a situation where they could either turn the button to save one person or, you know, leave it to hit five people. Um, and they thought it was real. They thought what they were looking at was actually going to happen, right? Because of the way they set the whole thing up. Now, the first person, um, when she saw it happening and when she saw it was about to happen, because there was a warning saying, train incoming, people on track. But she saw that the people couldn't hear. She tried to get the attention of the person who was supposed to make that decision. So the train conductor was supposed to be there at the moment where I had stepped out. She tried to get the person's attention first. And then when she noticed that the person wasn't going to be around, she turned the thing. And she, so she in, chose to save... So in this case, she, she saved five to kill one. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now the next person, or the next four, didn't do anything. They just froze. Like, 
they looked, one person actually talked himself through the fact that, oh, wow, like I need, I should probably do something here. But he just didn't do anything. Like he mentally thought about it, but he didn't do anything. Now, the last person or the last one they showed, um, he, he was very visibly disoriented by the whole thing. Like he was very worried and he tried to get someone's attention. Nobody did. And he turned the thing right. But like he had way more physical, visual struggle with it than the first person. And he started to cry. Like after, even after they told him it was just an experiment, he was still crying. And I actually teared up at that point because even when I watched the first one, when she actually turned it, like I could see the struggle in in her face and all of those things. And she turned it. The other people that didn't do anything, I actually didn't feel anything for them in a weird kind of way, which is another conversation for the other day. Like the fact they didn't do anything, I was like, wow. Well, I guess I understand why you might not have but when I was listening to their reasons after, I was like, nah, bro, I don't think you'll be good with yourself after. But that's just my view of it because I feel like I would have turned it. Um, where am I going with this? Is that all of those people might have clicked like they would turn it. But actually faced with the reality, some of them, the reason why they didn't turn it was that they felt that, that there will be systems in place to solve the issue. Like they didn't think that the responsibility was with them even though they were the only ones in the room and they knew what they were supposed to do. But they felt that some other, they should, they, essentially they yielded responsibility in that moment, which is what some people that choose to not do anything do. But sometimes it's just generally freezing because there's another guy that didn't yield responsibility, but he just couldn't bring himself to do anything. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to take the blame in case him not doing anything was actually the best thing to do in that situation. So he didn't want like, Again, he was going to claim in action that, well, I didn't touch anything. So me being here or me not being here doesn't change what would have happened. So I'm not going to do anything. That's how he explained it in that sort of way. But anyways, I just wanted to, to throw that in there. Um, I would include, what's, what's the video called for anybody who wants to watch Yes, we'll we include the link in the description. But it's called The Trolley Problem in Real Life by Vsauce. That's the name of the channel that run, that run the thing. Okay. What's interesting, it's a YouTube original, but comments are turned off. Because immediately I finished watching it, I wanted to go to the comments and see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because comments on there. They, they but I guess a, a, a question for you, yeah. of what that video is. If those people are read about ethical perspectives and they put in that real life scenario, do you think they'd have had a different decision? Or, had they, or do you think they'd have reacted differently? I don't know what the end results will have be, but I feel like they might have processed it a bit differently. Because what happened was the last guy that cried he talked through his decisions. Like he said it out loud what was going on. He was like, oh my God, I should probably do something. Oh wait, there's one person and then there's five people. <sighs> and then he kind of like turned it. So he, he talked through the decision that he was going to make. Um, the other guys just kind of like froze and maybe just said like, you know, I'm just going to do anything. So I think it might give people the frameworks to then process what they'll do. But if they eventually are able to process in that moment and do it is really up for anybody's best guess. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, all right, folks, we will talk about ethics more in deep, deeper in take a deeper dive into ethics in our cinema therapy episode, um, ethics and religion, etc. deeper dive and perhaps a more relaxed environment than today's um, abstract thinking. But we hope you enjoyed the episode. Catch you later. Thanks for listening. 
Goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hi there. And we're quite sure that the podcast landscape on your device is massive. And yet you found us and you chose to indulge in our long-form, complex, sense-making dialogues. And for that, we applaud you. But more importantly, we say a big, massive thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, if it made you smile, think, debate, or even disagree, please show us some support. You can do that in five simple ways. Number one, give us a great rating and review and subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, leave a comment, let us hear you, but more importantly, let our community hear you as well. Number three, share this episode with somebody new, somebody you thought about when you were listening, someone you think would enjoy it. Number four, if you're active on social media, connect, connect, connect. It's yellowpeelpod on Instagram slash threads and yellowpeel underscore pod on Twitter. Five, and finally, you can join our Patreon community down link below. Once again, thank you for taking Yellow Peel with us today. It's Wally, your co-host. Next to me is Toby, and we wish you the very best in the coming hours, days, weeks, and months. But we'll see you again soon. Till next time, peace and love, people. Peace and love.